0: You are listening to Been There, Done That. We present some of the smartest people connected to the business of coffee. People who've succeeded in the tough grind of hospitality by staying ahead of the rest. So join us as we explore the secrets to their success and help you accelerate your business. This show is brought to you by the Coffee Commune, where the coffee community comes to collaborate. Enjoy the show. Hello listeners, another great episode of Being There and Done That here brought to you by The Coffee Commune. I'm Phil DeBella and today we're going to talk all things legal and uh, what we're going to do today is we're actually going to have a very special guest and I know this firsthand because I use this firm and this person for all of my stuff and I love promoting people that I can actually tell you know their stuff and have been there and done that. So let me introduce to you Rob. From Hill House Lawyers, Rob is the principal and director of the company. So we're talking to one of the owners of the company and he knows his stuff. Thanks for joining me, Robert.
1: Thanks, Phil. Now Rob is okay? Rob's fine, yeah. Rob's Rob's fine.
0: fine. So – here we go. Let's first thing I want listeners to think about is, you know, they hear lawyers, they hear accountants, and they start to freak out. Don't freak out. I can tell you this again firsthand. And in the spirit of everything we talk about, it's called "been there, done that" for a reason. And Rob has been there and done that on many occasions. He's worked with myself, and he's worked with many of our other clients and members of the commune. So um, what we're going to hear today, we're going to talk a little bit about IP. We're going to talk a little bit about compliance. We're going to talk about employment. We're going to talk about supply agreements, leasing, and of. Course course, if you need to deep dive on any of these matters, we'll have all of Rob and Hillhouse Lawyers' details where you can further contact them. So Rob, you ready to rock and roll?
1: Ready to go. Now, don't
0: get all lawyer on me, mate. (laughs) No, plain English, us cafe owners are very simple people. (laughs) Uh, You know this from working (laughs) with me. I always (laughs) talk about treat me like I'm a dishwasher uh, because that's how I started in the industry. So first- Let's talk about. Can you explain the importance of choosing the right legal structure for your cafe? Let's go right to the beginning. So, if someone's looking at opening a cafe or you have opened a cafe, that's okay. It's a good time to start looking at your legal structure. So, Rob, talk us through that. What's the right legal structure to own a cafe?
1: So, there's probably no right legal structure per se. Bit of Latin for you, Phil. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, and you probably need to talk, as well as in lawyers being important, accountants are also very yeah, important in, in this process. So if you've got a good lawyer and a good accountant, you're in a long way to having a good business. So before, if you have got to the stage where I, this is what I want to do, this is my passion, then talk to those people. Now, there's different sorts of legal structures for different sorts of cafes, like someone like Phil DeBella, for say wouldn't you wouldn't be opening in your own name. Yeah. Like yep. in from a legal point of view. Correct, You'd use right? your name, but yeah. you wouldn't wouldn't be So it wouldn't be a, a sole proprietor. Correct. You wouldn't be a sole trader with your own ABN. Now, but you know, Rob Lamb opening up a cafe, that might be suitable. Yeah. Now there's other companies there's other structures such as companies are probably the one that most people are familiar with. So a company's where is a legal entity by itself, but the shareholders own it. And often It can often be uh, people with their partner, like their life partner, as it were, or business partners as well. Then you might, you can have a partnership. Sometimes people will have a partnership. That's not quite as effective in sort of taxation-wise, accounting-wise, generally, and there's liabilities that come with partnership that aren't that attractive usually. But often, and this is why the accountant's important to speak to, is often under those structures, you'll have a trust. Yeah. So you can direct the funds that, and the profits that you hopefully make into a trust and a deal with them in a tax effective way and in an asset protection way. So importantly, get that advice early and talk to your accountant and talk to us at Hill House before you start signing documents yeah. in that and, regard. And again,
0: even if you're in a business, and the reason I say this, obviously I've been in this industry now for, for 30 plus years and owned my own business for 22 years. I built Australia's largest specialty coffee company, but I never thought it would become that big. Yes, and if I'd yes. gotten the right legal advice and the right right accountant advice from day dot, I would have saved millions when I exited. That's so good. something that's really key for people that are listening is, and whether you're looking at going into business or you already are in one, from experience Get the legal advice and the accountant advice that Rob's talking about because you might start off as the intention to be just one cafe, but you might have opportunities down the track to open yep. two, three, four, and multiples, and your uh, the way you set up will be relevant to that and, of course, will deeply not only affect you from a legal point, but from a taxation point. And then the other one I want to explore on the back of that because you touched on it is partnerships, shareholder agreements.
1: Yes. Yeah. The importance.
0: Talk us through in simple terms the importance of a shareholder agreement.
1: So- I'm a litigator by trade, so I litigate in the courts throughout Queensland and Australia and I I love people who don't have shareholders agreement because that just means litigators make lots of money because once again, as your lawyer, I'd say to you before you enter into a company with other shareholders, have a shareholders agreement that spells out exactly what those rights are, what the obligations are, and more particularly, what happens if there is a breakdown in the relationship, how you've resolve disputes or if it comes to it, what happens if you can't if it's intractable, if you have to buy people out, what's the mechanism of buying people out, what's the valuation is? Without it, unfortunately, the law's a very blunt instrument and ultimately a judge might go, You guys can't sort it out yourselves. I'm going to wind this company up. Yeah. And it's you don't want to get to that stage. It's everyone loses. Yeah. So a shareholders agreement, if you're going to have a corporate structure Probably with, I'll call them strangers, not your spouse yeah. or something. That's a different area of the law, which I also deal with, but we won't deal with that yeah. today. But with strangers, a shareholder's agreement for the sake of probably two or $3,000. Yeah, it's
0: very inexpensive, but it can get expensive. I the can share,
1: tell you litigator, for me to even look at, to open my file in a litigation matter, the court filing fee is $3,000. There you go. So, you know, so it's just- a no brainer. So, it's a, even
0: the easiest litigation would be north of 10,000. Oh,
1: any litigation is, yeah, 10,000 would be probably in the magistrate's court with the magistrate being nice to you on your side with one day, like, yeah. Right, right up to yeah, the hundreds
0: of thousands hundreds of dollars.
1: Of, yeah, yeah. No, and again, a,
0: and it's classic saying, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You, how do you know a good proactive lawyer? Well, they're not very wealthy. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> because a good proactive lawyer uh, doesn't get paid a lot to save you from the big bucks that get spent later on um, yep. if you don't have everything in place.
1: Is that fair? Oh, I tell I'm a litigator by trade but the I couldn't think of anything worse to wish upon anyone to be involved in litigation mm-hmm. it actually means litigation comes from probably the latin italian litigate mm-hmm. to bind together so yep. you're bound with a person you hate for years spending money on lawyers it's yeah. there right you go. I could there have, have said a better key yeah. takeaway
0: there yeah. always plan for the worst case scenario get onto your lawyers and get a great shareholders agreement if you're looking at going into partnership. And if you are in partnership, but don't have a shareholders agreement, then you should be picking up that phone or sending an email to Rob and the team at Hill House straight away yep. to get a shareholders agreement. I can tell you now firsthand, I've got four of my GMs own 20% of the coffee commune that we have given to them in good stead as an exec team. And we have shareholders agreements in place and we have the right agreements in place that have always planning for the worst case scenario. Because without them, it's no good for them and it's certainly no good for... For myself or my wife, Rob, are there speci- specific legal requirements or regulations that cafe owners should be aware of before they open their establishment?
1: Yes, there okay, are. We're going to be talking yeah. about IP compliance yes, and yeah. stuff, but Look, generally, there certainly are. And interestingly, cafe—you know—the food industry—it's a very heavily regulated environment. All business is in Australia anyway, yeah. but when you're dealing with members of the public which obviously you are yeah so so public liability public liability you're inviting people onto your premises to eat food which is prepared in your premises so there's all that food regulation all the food hygiene mm. stuff all that um, often there'll be you know you need a license if you're going to have seats outside correct, correct. if you're going to serve liquor which some people do that's another yeah. Can't, like responsible service of alcohol yeah, licensing all yep. that like it's an extraordinarily regulated environment and Particularly if you're starting up in the industry, it's probably almost impossible, I suspect, without a good lawyer, good accountant speaking to someone like you know yourself, Phil, who's been involved in the industry where mm. there's organisations that just getting that, that insight into the, how complicated yeah. it, it is.
0: And it was a bit of a loaded question because, of course, and the reason I asked that question that way is to, for this. A lot of people say to me, Oh, why do I need a lawyer? It's just a cafe. Well, you've just heard it. There are so many parts of the law that are affected with you owning any business, let alone a cafe, especially around liability and protecting yourself. Remember? Forearmed is forewarned, forewarned is forearmed. Put out sparks, don't put out fires. You can use a hundred different sayings. Protect yourself, protect yourself, because you might think it's expensive. And I'm gonna you're gonna hear this throughout the whole podcast. People generally think that lawyers are expensive. I'll tell you what, they're cheap compared to what it becomes later. Remember what I said? You know a good proactive lawyer because they're not walking around earning squillions and millions of dollars because the money gets made by lawyers when there's litigation. Absolutely, It gets done when you're not protecting yourself. So spend the money up front and get protected is going to be something that hopefully resonates through this. Let's talk IP. So intellectual property can be a concern for cafe owners, right? Especially when it comes to branding and menu creations. How can cafes protect their intellectual properties?
1: Well, look, that's a very interesting question and quite a specialized area too. Intellectual property, certainly, look, Trademarks are certainly something to approach. They're not particularly difficult to get in Australia. They do have some. They're, they're a little bit uh, to to protect yourself after if someone infringes, it's a different story, but certainly to have it. The menu creations certainly are very interesting, so heavy copyright laws yep. and things like that. Um, probably it's a, you have to be a little bit proactive of thinking. When you raised this question with me this morning, I hadn't sort of it's probably a fairly interesting area of the law when it, when someone does it if, because things called moral rights. So if, for example, I had a Phil DeBolla, so I had okay. a DeBolla coffee, you know, yeah. I was, you know that the moral, you mightn't have, DeBella mightn't be a trademark brand, probably is, yeah, but is, yeah. just say hypothetically it wasn't, it was just your name, you're Phil DeBella 25 years ago. Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought, oh, Phil's doing well, you know, doing his thing, I'll call my coffee Debola. Yeah. Well, you'd be able to say is legally that, you know, I have some moral rights in, in relation to my Too name. Similar. yeah. That's right, and I've been using my name in this industry and you're deliberately passing off. Yeah. There's an action called passing off where in that scenario, Robert Lamb using Dabolla coffee. Yeah. 25 years ago now, it'd be, a, you'd have a pretty good case, but 25 mm. years ago, you'd have to prove that Debella was well known in the coffee industry and Robert yeah. Lamb using Debella is actually trying to pass off as Debella. Yeah. But and for people starting off that's the position yeah. they're going to be yeah. in. But taking the formal steps of trademarks, copyright Keep logo a, registration, as logo well. registration. Keeping an eye on things too, just keeping yeah. an eye on them, being a little bit proactive about perhaps what people are doing. You probably yeah. I'd and that's suggest.
0: a key one because on the flip side, a lot of people get caught. I'll never forget, and I won't mention names, but um, of who it was. But thirty years ago, there was a predominant cafe in uh, New Farm that was firing on all cylinders, and they um, they're probably the first person in Brisbane, probably well, maybe even Australia, but definitely Brisbane to do a frappuccino. Okay. Now you can imagine where this is going, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thirty years ago, they're doing frappuccino and yeah, great, yeah, awesome and they're new to Brisbane and away they go and six months in, they get tapped on the shoulder by obviously Starbucks uh, because they've got a global um, trademark and rights on the word Frappuccino and um, no one can use that without Starbucks. Obviously, if, if they find out, you're in a lot of trouble. So obviously, as time's gone on and progressive, it's a lot harder to register things. So- so if anyone's listening to this saying, oh, I can, I've got something unique and registering it, before you deep dive and spend a lot of money, I think you get the right legal advice and get the right advice in general. Because it, it's gotten much harder to register certain things, yes, um, yeah, yeah. you know, as the years have gone on, right, as stuff comes out yeah. and the rest of it. But I remember one of the key ones using a practical example was a Debella coffee, and I don't own Debella coffee anymore. No, a lot no, of people no, still no, think I no, do, no. but I don't. I registered the words, it's not just a bag of beans. Yeah, Um, And that was a a real big brand promise of the company is it wasn't just about coffee. So we registered the words, it's not just a bag of beans. And then the other one, which I didn't think we'd get away with, and this is a a great example on the back of what you said, Nespresso is known for what else, you know? So Nespresso's tagline or or, uh, mark is what else? And what I got away with, which I never thought I would, and I did it as a bit of a, you know, cheeky thing, but it got approved was Debella Coffee, nothing else. Okay. Um, But where I got clever with it is I actually used the mark of Debella Coffee, dot, 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 nothing else. So, again, just a few practical examples on the back of what Rob has shared. You know, get some good legal advice because, again, it can save you up front, down the track, on both sides, whether you're the person getting tapped on the shoulder saying, hey, you've ripped off my legal um, requirements. Because let's face it,
1: you're the lawyer in the room. It costs you money to defend yourself too, doesn't it? Oh, it's well as you say those people defending them all star, but they, they probably would have just given up because yeah, there's something like star. Well, they conceded straight over. away because yeah, I yeah, mean they got lower yeah.
0: advice, but then they yeah, conceded because there's right. no, nowhere to go. But if there's
1: was a proper. Fight about it. And as Phil said, often the advice is, look, just have a go. Put it in there. Put the trademark in there. Put the application in there. The worst I can say is no. Yeah. And if it gets through, then you've got the- And it's quite ineffective,
0: higher, right? What are you looking at for something to oh, do
1: a pre I think it's like hundreds, like four or $500. Yeah. And maybe. then, yeah, I the lawyer it's not, fees, it's not that much. Yeah, right? no, it's- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. if you're
0: thinking of IP- you know, wrapping that one up, if you're thinking of IP, reach out to the guys. The team at Hill House can help you. Any good lawyer, you've got a lawyer already you're happy with, you use your lawyer that you're happy with. But just reach out and ask the question because, um, again, it's all about being proactive. It's, you're going to hear uh, it through this. Yeah. Proactive is going to save you money in the long run. Let's talk compliance. So what are the legal steps that cafe owners should take to ensure that they're compliant with the health and safety regulations, especially now because COVID's turned a lot of things upside down, some right, some bad, but what are the legal steps that owners should take to make sure that they're compliant with health and safety, especially post-COVID?
1: Yeah, look, once again, it was an interesting question you posed and I did a bit of research on it and it's very... Generally speaking, as a business owner, there's a general compliance about your employees and workplace health and safety and all that sort of thing. But to answer your question, certainly in relation to cafe owners, it's that the labelling of food, or at least the, as we've been here, and I encourage people to come and have their breakfast at Coffee Comment on on Saturday morning. (laughs) I brought my wife here the other day; it's gorgeous. Once again, they'll ask you, you know, are you allergic to this? And there's a bit of proactive. Um, you know, on the person as well, but in this culture that we have, which lawyers are to blame for somewhat, (laughs) um, you know, like you'll label the food, particularly if you're selling food, um, you'll ask the questions. We'll put it on menus as well. Put it on, yes, menus, yeah, yeah. The other things I suppose, there are very specific requirements for, you know, labelling food and under the codes and things like that. I suppose that's part of the main thing from a cafe point of view. And and the key um, to that
0: one area, Rob, from experience is is asking, right? Yeah. Is encouraging and training your team to ask the question. And I think that's a key takeaway in that space with that question for anyone listening is make sure that your team is asking the question because it shows a duty of care. Yes. You know, and, and duty of care is the most important thing when it comes to that space, right?
1: That's right. Because one of the questions you will get asked, whether it's um, informally or formally or hopefully not in the witness box, is what did you ask the customer before you gave them something that they had an anaphylactic shock in relation yeah. to. So as Phil said, if you can say, well, I ask them, are they allergic to eggs? Correct, or and it's on our menus. That's and, right. And you yeah. and this will it's explain a, even yeah. the listeners
0: listening why you'll see so much disclaimer around this may contain nuts. Yep, um, yes. And you'll yeah. see it on some yeah. labels that you yeah. think, well, what's nuts Absolutely. doing in that factory? Or what's yeah. nuts doing? But they have to put it there as a disclaimer for duty of care. Yeah. Um, and that'll help the listeners understand why there is so much, uh, let's say, you know, some people call it red tape. It's not really red tape, but why there's so much focus on that We have to be careful. And it's coming back to everyone's trying to negate their duty of care. And
1: it's also being proactive, as you say. So you can, yeah, you can say that. Okay. So
0: tell me, in terms of permits, it's amazing how many people I speak to that don't understand, um, you know, what do you mean I need a permit or a licence? And you touched on some of them before, especially around if you're going to be a licensed venue, you need oh, a lawyer, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, you need yeah, a lawyer yeah. full stop. But yeah. you, if you're looking at licence or you are licensed and you've never engaged a lawyer, I suggest you get an audit done um, because you need it. The compliance stuff is gone out of control. Yeah, Again, yeah. I've been in this industry for 32 years. 32, yep, 32, 33 years now. The compliance and how things have changed is crazy. Right. Tell us, what are some of the things
1: that come to mind? Well, in relation to uh, cafes, restaurants, that sort of area, as Phil said, liquor is a completely different thing and as I say, get a lawyer. There's also your food licenses, you need food and hygiene. Which some license. people don't
0: get and still don't yeah. understand.
1: You'll need, I think, as you know, you'll need a food supervisor. There has to Correct. be someone. Registered here that's supervisor? A, that's right. You need if depending where you're operating, if it's a food stall or a mobile truck, you're gonna need those sort of licenses. Insurance is a big one. Some oh, look, people don't even have yeah.
0: public, public liability insurance.
1: Well we'll probably talk a bit more about insurance, but okay. not well, we're want to touch on it? Yeah, let's yeah, go so for it. Insurance is probably the most important thing you'll do because at the end of the day, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Right. Our staff make mistakes. The customers make mistakes, whatever. Most sane people listening to this would not drive their motor vehicle without it being insured at least third party. Totally. Speaking to someone who parked pretty close to a Lambo the other day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I hope you didn't damage it. My wife's driving that at the moment because hers is damaged.
1: But like it would just be insane not to do so. So the, there's the types of insurance you'll have, are, as Phil mentioned, public liability insurance. So if someone slips over in your restaurant, you're on their way to the toilet and you get a letter from one of the usual suspect lawyers, which is fine, they're doing their job, then you you know you, your heart will skip a beat but at least then you can pick up the phone to the insurer. You have, if you're serving your food, you'll have that sort of insurance with your public liability. Make sure you read your policy. Make sure it covers what you want it to cover. Then they're not that difficult to read at the end of the day. Obviously, get the advice if you need to, but read the policy yourself as well. If you've got staff, you need workers' compensation insurance or the equivalent, wherever whatever state you're in, that's not particularly difficult to get a hold of either. And it's mandatory, of course. You may also have things that you don't think about, like your own insurance. So what happens if you get sick? Correct. You know, um, I've taken advantage of personal TPD insurance myself. I've been very useful for me in my personal life. If it's it's being all, you know, hangs on yourself, if you've got other directors, what happens if one of them gets sick or dies? director's
0: insurance is a big one.
1: Yeah, yeah. like um, buyout, you know, once again with those agreements, a buy-sell agreement, if one of your directors dies, you don't necessarily want to be in business with their partner, You just want the insurance to pay their their estate out and then you take their shares, that, that sort of structure. Some good advice, yes. Yeah, yeah. So certainly there's a lot of insurance to be had. A good insurance broker's an excellent person to know as well. We've all had that experience, I'm sure, where we run into someone's car or vice versa and you go, oh, at yeah, least i got insurance. is going to touch any of
0: us. If yeah. you went through the floods and all the rest yeah, of it, some yeah. are going to be good, some are not going to yeah. be good. I think the key there is read your policy. Yeah. If you're not sure about the policy, get a good lawyer to look over the policy, yeah. obviously, uh, because they're going to be. And that's why I said proactive law is completely different to reactive law. Yes. Um, again, I said it from the start. You're going to hear me say some of these things all the way through. Proactive, proactive, proactive. If you've taken anything away from this, on the being there and done that podcast here, it's all about being proactive with legal responsibility because the last thing you want to do is be reactive because it's going to cost you. Uh, you know, I'll be brave and say it'll be at least five times more, um, oh, at you least, know, if not at more, least, yeah. um, you yeah. know, in trying to be reactive when it comes to the law. Yeah. Let's talk leasing. I've got one question only because we've had a leasing dedicated specialist yeah. on the show, but from a lawyer's perspective, tell me, what are the important legal considerations from a lawyer's perspective in terms of leases?
1: So- once again, I own the business as well. I'm a lessee in a a lease and Mm. it's probably up there with the most important obligation you'll have in your business. Your personal backside is on the line, as it were. Mm. So, and I don't profess to be an expert like Phil in the industry, but as probably, and not quite legal advice per se, and Phil can correct me, but Mm. Particularly if you're starting out, it's probably a good idea to have a shorter term at the beginning with an option, with a longer option. So, if you're doing well after the year or two, you then have the opportunity to go, right, well, I can now have five years with another five-year option Correct. rather than having a five-year option at perhaps not going so well in the first couple of years. And you've got another three years to go Mm. and- usually you've got a personal guarantee attached to it. And that's a legal requirement there, right? That's right. You're probably, legally on the line. Well that's right. And it's your house on the line. And that's how people really unfortunately in the, the restaurant, the cafe business, it is quite a volatile business. Yeah. And if it's something's gonna go bad, you don't necessarily want to go down everything to go down with you. Yeah. if if, it, if you know what I mean. So yeah. certainly the term of the lease is very important. Craig Hong, one of my partners who raised something to mention today is Certainly, what your outgoings are, but also what your what whose obligation the maintenance is. Yeah, maintenance is a big one. Yeah, you want to be explicit about whose obligation is. So Craig's example was this: if there's no obligation as to who maintains the air conditioning, so usually the air conditioning is the landlord's problem because yep. it's part of the building Correct. and that Part of the capital. Correct. But if there's no obligation on the landlord to go, Mr. Landlord, you must fix the air conditioning. It might cost $100,000 to fix air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. So the landlord goes, oh, well, I'm And not. legally, the
0: landlord could just sit there and That's do That's
1: right. That's exactly the point. And if you're in Queensland, so in about two months' yeah. time- fix your business. You have to get it fixed because you're not going to have any customers. Yeah, yeah. So- it's little nuances like that that, you know, that you- thing's in the
0: P word again, proactive. That's
1: right. Being proactive. So having the person with the experience to the commercial lawyer saying, have you thought about this? Yeah. This isn't this person's obligation. Let's negotiate now. Yeah. And it doesn't, as I say, just say some certainty, you know. Yeah. Two key been, takeaways yeah.
0: from there, listeners, from great advice there from Rob, is one, remember this, no one opens a business with the intention to go broke. So get comfortable with the worst case scenario. The trend used to be, there used to be value in a lease. Yes, now remember what, yeah. this, listeners, there used to be big value in a lease. So people used to say, I want a 10 by 10 or I want a 5 by 5. That's gone out the window. i tell you where the value of a lease is right now from 32 years of experience. It's a one-year With a five plus five year option. yeah. So it gives you one year and I can, you know, and I've been there personally. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. It's a one year with a five by five year option because if you don't do that, then you have got a lot more on the line. The second part is the proactive approach to your leasing. Good time to look at your lease if you haven't. We've got a leasing dedicated episode on been there and done that that explores this a lot more, but you need to have a proactive because Rob's brought up a very, very good example there, and thank you, Craig, for that input, is if it's grey, then the landlord sits in idle. Now, you sit in idle, they sit in idle, but who does it affect? It's not going to affect the landlord. It's going to affect you and your business operation. You couldn't have given a better example. Now, the one year plus a five-year option and five-year option after that, personally, I had a business. We trialed the new concept. The concept worked revenue-wise, but didn't it work expense-wise. So, one year, we opened that business and then a year after we weighed up whether it was worth to keep or not to keep and we ended up shutting it down Mm -hmm. without losing any money. Um, We were making money in the year, but we thought that the return of investment didn't match where it was going and it wasn't enough to risk another five-year option. Now, had we not done the one year with a five plus five, then we would have been liable for that next five years. So if you're- thinking of starting a new business or you're looking at expanding, that's a great little tip there is perhaps take one year lease with a five by five year option and try and get as much of that next five years cemented into the lease. Because the other thing is that, and I had somebody take this advice and they had it blow up in their face because they took a one year and then it didn't have the particulars in the five year option and the rent, because they'd done really oh, well, okay. the rent was going to go through the, it was gonna, the one Yeah, year. It was yeah, going to gotcha. go through the roof. So yeah. guys, Get proactive advice again, and a one by five by five or a one by three by three is great, but make sure you lock that next term in as well. Let's talk employment. I know you love this area. <laughs> uh, we had you at a long lunch, which was a great success, and it was all about employment law. Let's take a couple of key things for the listeners. How can cafe owners protect themselves from potential legal disputes with employees, such around wages and hours issues and, and workplace safety concerns, which
1: is a big one right
0: now? How can we get then our listeners to be proactive and protect themselves.
1: So, if you're going to start up a new business, or if perhaps even in the industry, I would recommend just reading the fast food award and/or the restaurant award, depending on on your particular well, whatever your um, business, business is. Yeah, just they're not particularly long documents. I think they're probably about twelve pages long. They're fairly all the awards are fairly similar. There's some nuances just getting to know that award and getting to know the pay rates as well. The way you really stuff it up, I suppose, is you either don't comply with the award, particularly for a long period of time, yeah. and um, you have people you've been underpaying, and not on purpose, Yeah, yeah. but, you Often know. Often it's not on purpose. No, it's no, a, no off, that's right. It's a and lack it, of the, knowledge. The, the trouble with, not, well, the trouble's the wrong word, but, one of the um, dilemmas of I'm not, I can't think of the right word, but Australian employment law is really complicated. Yeah, it is. You know, there's probably there's 200 awards for a start. Yeah. So you got to work which is part out of the problem in, that part, I've been advocating. Yep, yep. And I'm an employer as well as is Phil, as I'm sure most you know, most of the list. Well, some of the listeners are, and if you're going to operating your business, you probably will end up being. And you've got to make sure you comply, otherwise, it's your fault at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, ignorance is not an excuse ignorance in the law, is right?
1: Not, no, and whilst they're very fair in the Fair Work Commission, they are a very good organisation, all the people there are very good and very just, they're still bound by the law. And it's quite easy for a disgruntled employee rightly or wrongly, to make that application and, and do those things. So I would certainly be familiar with the awards. Yeah. If you're uncertain, talk to uh, Hill House, talk to an em- employment lawyer, talk to there's places like Employee Shore that yeah. that can help you. But remember this, yeah. listeners,
0: ignorance is not an excuse and will not no. be accepted by no. fair work. They will be fair, I've, I've, I know firsthand, yeah. but they can only, you said it really well before, they're bound by the law yeah. and ignorance doesn't allow them to, to say, hey, no. we're okay with this. The key takeaway out of what i said was right at the beginning, get across the award. If you're in doubt, there's organisations that can help you. There's legal establishments like Hill House. There's the Coffee Commune that can help. All of our members have access to IR and HR support through the National Retail Association um, hotline. You know, don't use ignorance as an excuse because there's plenty of support and help out there. And yes, it is for those listening going, but bloody hell. Yes, it is complicated. We know that, but we can't change the 200 awards, but
1: we need to be across them. I'd say if you're going to do something drastic with an employee, so either terminate them or yeah, change. Good segue our, to the next question. Yeah, yeah. Just talk to, as Phil said, your professional people, whether it's a lawyer or as you know yeah. people in the space, because you can really do things that are really backfire, and they can. Okay, so that's the proactive your business. You, you, yeah. That was my next yeah. question, right? Yeah.
0: So let's, because I want to talk it in two parts. Yeah. One is proactive, right? What steps should cafe owners do before they terminate an employee or deal with a difficult situation, whether that's customer or anything? Right, that's a proactive approach. So, simple answer is get the advice. Get You've the just, said yeah,
1: that. just look, there's ways to do those things. Yes. and if you there's a process. That's right. It's, that process is exactly right. If, as Phil said, I said the Fair Work Commission are very fair, and there's quite defined processes both in the legislation and in the policies that they operate under. If you deviate from that process. And as Phil said, just because you don't know about it's not an excuse. It's about fairness. It's about giving this person that you're going to terminate or deal with or whatever a chance to explain the situation to otherwise why it shouldn't happen or what their side of the story is. That's what generally it's about. But there are certain things like you can't, and no one's suggesting for a minute that any sort of normal, rational person would do this, but you can't take action against people for a discriminatory reason or, if you know, Fire someone because they they're of a certain race or something like that. But We're you can't not even fire
0: that. somebody straight away. It doesn't matter how emotional you get about it. You can't fire someone for turning up to work late. Oh no, once no, no either. Yeah.
1: probably. Don't. Look, and even there's even cases as say just speaking sort of a bit like even punching your boss sometimes isn't enough to get you fired straight away. You know, like Which is there's crazy, cases right? about that. Yeah, like oh, look, most cases you punch your boss, you're, you're going to get yeah, going to yeah. be a yeah. But
0: or you're going to get a, if you're on casual, you're not going to get many hours. There isn't?
1: is a case it was. <laughs> It's a, a railways worker, I'll put it that way, yep. who punched his boss and he was um, reinstated because so, fairly unionised. Um, it was a while ago. But um, yeah, but look, it's certainly, just get the advice. Don't just react straight away because there's ways and means of doing it, which will probably save you a bit of heartache and going up to the fairway. So let's condition. go to the
0: flip side. So someone right now listening is finding themselves in a legal, in an event that there's going to be a legal dispute.
1: What advice would you give to them? Look, depending on the dispute, I'd probably pick up the phone to a lawyer. Most disputes can be solved. Most disputes can be, people don't really, both sides of the the equation, don't want to be in a legal dispute, don't want to be in a legal fight. There's no upside except for lawyers. You heard that first
0: coming from a lawyer. And that's why I respect you and I respect Hill House because you're not going to hear that advice from a lot of people, right? Uh, What you just said there, only 5% 5% of lawyers would ever say that right and I really appreciate that and I'm sure the listeners do too
1: yeah and I I couldn't afford myself yeah. if I was involved in litigation I couldn't afford myself so neither a normal person Netherland a normal person trying to run a business mm. you know and it's and not you just you a headache well, it's not, it's not just money. It's if you're involved in litigation, I'm going to have you in my office probably one or two days a month for about six months, and then we're going to prep for for mediation probably. That is another couple of days. You're going to meet the barrister. Then you're going to spend a day or two at mediation. Then yeah. if it doesn't settle, then we're going to prep for court. That's probably another two months out of your life. Yeah. You know, like in, in about a year, you'll probably spend about three weeks in my office in the courtroom. And then, and I've never had the pleasure, thank goodness, but you'll be in the witness box. Yeah then that's probably right up there with, you know. And it's not only you know. just
0: a financial strain, it's an emotional strain. It, emotional
1: it, for yourself, emotional for the
0: family and those around you. And it's not a distraction you need. So just be proactive, proactive, yep. proactive, proactive. If in doubt, pick up the phone, ring the commune, contact the commune, contact Hill House. Whatever it is, just get proactive. If you're listening to this, you're not sure. Pick up the phone. I'm happy
1: to talk to anyone. I've demonstrated this, I think, with you. You've been great for our membership. You've worked with a lot of our community
0: and you still do. um, And that's why we love it because, you you know, you give great advice and it's not about the dollar. You guys are very proactive and we respect and appreciate that. Let's talk supply agreement. I've got one question around this because it has affected many people I know, but it affected a really good, and I don't want to mention brands, but it affected a, a really thriving brand that started doing well, opened multiple stores, and then their supplier let them down because they had a unique product. Okay. No agreements in place. And ultimately it led to the demise of this brand in Australia. So tell me about key contracts and agreements for somebody who's got unique products from suppliers. Let's talk supplier agreements. What's the best way to go about that and the importance of supplier agreements, especially in when you've got you're purchasing unique products for your business that could ultimately sink you?
1: Well, I think it depends on the power dynamic to some degree, because once again, the advice is Get the advice before you sign it. But of course, if- well, have if, a supplier agreement uh, in place. Well, right? of course, having well, I suppose take it as written that there's going to be something there and we're talking about a written document. But the issue becomes, can be like leases a little bit as the owner or as the person going to the supplier with perhaps a unique mm. product is you haven't quite got the power that you you might have to, to need it. But certainly, as Phil says, the terms of the agreement need to- Spell out exactly what's going to occur, when it's going to occur, what happens if it doesn't occur. So, that's the key one. Yeah. I'll talk
0: through an example in a minute. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, is it going to sound in money? Because it mightn't just be, oh, if I haven't supplied you with, um, you know, coffee, commune coffee, well, I just owe you a bag of coffee. Mm. Well, no, I just had, instead, I didn't have that bag of coffee, therefore I couldn't open my restaurant. I didn't sell, you know, damages. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So, how do the damages flow and how are they assessed? The personal liability under those agreements on the flip side. So, if uh, it's probably a little, probably not quite as drastic in supply agreements, I suspect, if it's just a transactional one an Automatic renewal yeah. is it does it automatically? Yep. Renew? Yep. And is we've seen a, people um, get
0: caught with coffee companies. and I won't mention them, yep. thing, but it's a very public stash that I was having with one of Australia's largest yep. coffee brands around that. They've okay. got an I don't know if they've still got it, but they used to have an automatic six month renewal. Yes, if yep. you didn't uh, contact them to tell them you're terminating at the end of the, the term, it rolled over for another three years, often with um, a CPI
1: or worse, it, correct? So. Which yeah, is yeah. worse. And, yeah, and again, yeah. I
0: haven't mentioned any names, but I'm yeah. sure a lot of listeners could work out who it is. Yeah. But and we we're instrumental in pushing that agenda when I owned DeBella Coffee, it was all about check your supply agreements from suppliers. We didn't actually have one from a Debella point. That was our point of difference. Yes. We work every day to secure your supply. Um, We don't sign you up and stitch you up and forget about you, but that's another point. So that's a great point you made there.
1: Yeah. So look, yeah, once again, I suppose, read the document, make sure you understand it, make sure it's important to you. Yeah. And if in doubt, talk to someone who knows. And there's key elements there,
0: right? And like I said, what, what are the action items if it doesn't go right? So let me talk through um, the importance. So the supply agreement I had with a, a takeaway cup company, and I was um obviously one of the biggest customers they had. And it was a great supply agreement because it was for both, right? If the Australian dollar came down under a certain level, it would enact a um, an automatic price increase for us uh, okay. because obviously, you know, they'd be out of pocket. But if the Australian dollar went up and, and this is when the dollar was above parity, then the pricing would staying the same, oh, right. but the big one was this, because they were branded cups. If at any time cups for without any obviously um, a given reason became out of stock, meaning it was human error, someone forgot to place the cup order from their perspective, from their their end, or um, something went wrong for, with their manufacturer. And again, this was an axe of God and all the rest of it. Then we would have cups at no charge until the branded ones came back oh, in. Okay, and okay. the reason we did that, and what I put on there, so there's a second part to this was so that I would pass that on free of charge to our customers. So it wasn't so that I would make 100% of the profit, so I'm still charging my customer, but I'm getting free cups from the yeah. supplier. No. The thing was that if the cups didn't have our brand on it, we got them for nothing, and I would give them to our customers for nothing. Okay. And only once in about 10 years of this agreement and relationship that we had, which was a great relationship, and again, I'm not mentioning brands, we had a great relationship with them, only once did that come into play, and they warranted exactly um, what happened. But on the same side, when the dollar dropped under parity. The US dollar dropped back down to in the 90s. We paid more for our cups. So it was a really what I called a great supply agreement because it protected the supplier and it protected us as well, tying in everything that you've mentioned. um, So
1: it's putting some thought into those agreements, what they're actually for, isn't it? Correct. not- purely transactional.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, as you know, yeah. the lawyer's job is to sort of put it all together. The My job as the business that's owner right. is to know yeah. um, how it's going to impact my business so that you could write the appropriate document, which is a great tip there for listeners is yeah. it's not the lawyer's job to think of the issue. It's their, their job to put it all together based on your knowledge of your industry and what happens to you if things happen. Well,
1: certainly try, but that's right. We can't have the in-depth knowledge that people have of their particular industries. That's yeah, right. of course, of yeah.
0: course. Yeah. So let's talk legislation changes. Oh, yes, yes. Because uh, governments love changing things, especially when um, without consultation. And the Mm. recent one, as you've heard me bang on about, is government, even though we've got 3% unemployment and everyone's short of staff, the government comes along and says, well, international workers, international students can only work 24 hours a week now. And that's effective in six weeks time. Not from now. This was ages ago, right? So these are some of the legislation changes that our lovely governments love to put on us. What are some of the emerging legal trends and changes that people need to be aware of? And I know you spoke about this at the lunch, not so long ago. So,
1: look, the major ones that I know about are the employment ones. Yeah, correct. But certainly- Well, in,
0: that's the biggest expense for a cafe. So, any cafe yeah, owner yeah. Or, or restaurant, you know, because you'll come from professional yeah. services, which is, is a bit different. But our biggest expense in the cafes and restaurants, and it's
1: the do or the don't, or the die yeah. component, is wages. Yeah. And probably actually ours would be two, I think. because yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah ours yeah, would okay. be two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we're professional services, so yeah. you're paying lawyers yeah, well, and true. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just while I remember, Phil, the- um. One of the law lecturers said to me we years ago when I did law, but in the first ten years in Australia, there was like um, about half a bookcase of legislation. And I think when I did law, so back in the nineties, one year in like ninety seven was four bookcases. Isn't that? Crazy? And that was ninety seven. That's twenty years ago. Yeah. And just can you imagine now? Oh well, There'd let, be a football field full of it. People don't. This is interesting too that. Legislation isn't just an act of parliament. It's also the regulations of that yeah. legislation and well said. there's also policies that the particular government department uses. For example, the ATO, private rulings, public rulings. So it's there's actually like a few tiers of legislation in commas mm, mm, But anyway, coming back to my um
0: Emerging uh, trends. The legal emerging
1: trends. the uh, the employment yeah, so the employment say probably the big one is proactive about sexual harassment policies. Yeah, big one. Which is a a good thing, of course. Especially in yeah. the cafe
0: industry and restaurant industry yeah. because, you know, like I said, I've been in this industry over 30 years. You know, there's been some well-needed and changes over the
1: years yeah. in this area. and the, that's right. So, it's not just enough for if you see something happening, you go, you know, you do something about it or someone makes a complaint and you do something about it. It's you as the business owner are proactive about it and that usually involves policies and usually involves some sort of information in the legal context you know, like a law firm context, like a meeting a, you know, a um, staff meeting about it perhaps with an expert or something like that. So you actually have to, if something happens, you have to show you've been proactive about it. Yeah, that it.
0: word again, proactive. If yeah. you're not across this, you need to look it up. You can get it on government websites and all the rest of it if you don't want to engage a lawyer or, hey, if you've got a few things to talk to a lawyer about,
1: get yeah. engaged the lawyer. Yeah. That's probably the one of the major changes that. What about the, the psycho
0: safety stuff that's happening?
1: Look, certainly... There's always been an obligation on employers to ensure that their employees are safe at work, but it appears both through the changes in legislation and the way it's being interpreted is that there now is a proactive uh, obligation to ensure that a person's mental health is protected in the workplace. Mm. And that stems from the anti-bullying, once again, all these changes are excellent in theory and all come from a good place. Yeah. The way they're implemented, if you're a small business owner, you, you know, it might be one or two, you might have two or three staff, but you're, you're expected to... Re- behave and react and have the same policies and procedures as Woolworths. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. So that's But the, again ignorance is not a defense. No, it's not, but it comes from a good place but it's the implementation. Yeah. And as of I put things. it I can
0: say this you can't, right? The intention's good but the execution shit. Yeah, um, yeah. and we'd wish that local state and federal government, and that's why I do a lot of stuff and it's a big part of the coffee commune, the advocacy part, right? And that's why I get involved in politics to advocate for our industry. What sometimes starts off in, and most times does start, good intention isn't executed well because they just don't work with industry. And again, if you've got any politicians listening to this, or you'd like to share it with a politician or they're a family member, just get them to be proactive. Get them to talk to industries like the coffee commune, you know, hotel industries. There's all different bodies that they can speak to and involve in. And here's the key, but how about talking to industries that don't take government contracts or take government money? Because we certainly don't at the coffee commune. It's purely funded by myself and my wife, and we're proud of that. But it gives us the autonomy to speak and, and really help our industry. You know, and I said, you can't really say that I can. You've got legal obligations, I don't in certain areas. But the intention is good, the execution is poor. Be proactive, that's the solution. Talk to industry. Because as Rob said, your good intentions can be executed pretty poorly because the example you gave is perfect. How can an operator with, say, three or four employees or even 10 employees have the same obligation and expectation of a Woolworths who's paying their legal fraternity probably a million dollars? The head of legals is probably on a million bucks and the rest of the team's on a couple of hundred grand. So they just don't have the same resources.
1: No, no, that's right. But again,
0: ignorance is not a defence, listeners, so you need to be proactive in this space. So on that part. What are the resources or organizations? If somebody says, Look, I can't really afford a lawyer right now which is fair because a lot of people can't. Like, obviously the coffee commune is one area that can help. But what other places? What are what are um websites or, or um go to's that they can really
1: look as as um, crazy as it sounds, and it's twenty twenty three, like Google searches are an extraordinarily powerful powerful. Like okay. and then look, there's You've got to be a bit careful, obviously, like Dr. Google and all that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, you don't thing. want to yeah. Dr. Google. No, but,
0: but, but for general advice. General advice. Not like, specialized advice. And
1: it's, it's about, as uh, Donald Rumsfeld said, you're unknown, unknown. So if you can at least clarify what it is you don't know. Yeah, well, that's
0: good Then advice. you
1: can seek the advice, whether it be from a fellow cafe owner like Phil or your accountant or your lawyer or, you know, just start to – demystify what you perhaps don't know, but the dangerous things are what you don't know, you don't know. And ignorance
0: is not a defence. No, no, that's
1: right. No. So, look, as silly as it sounds, probably, you know, at least Googling it and just getting an idea of what's out there Mm. and then the sort of um, quasi, well, industry bodies such as, you know, you've mentioned the retail. Yeah, uh, the the National Retail Association. National Retail Association. Association. As I say, I'm, at the end of the day, you know, you've, My my details would be here. If there really is a genuine question, just pick up the phone to me. (laughs) I'd much rather you spend five minutes with me than you know, five months with me in a courtroom.
0: Yeah, and, and, and yeah. that's
1: why we love you, mate. Yeah.
0: Um, tell me, what about in terms of, has government got any, um, I know that um, our Queensland Small Business Commission is amazing, Dominic Lamb, and yes, she's been yeah. on this before. Yeah. Um, so always check that, the Small Business yes, um, yeah. Commission's yeah. office. They're always releasing, you know, new stuff and all the rest yeah. of it. But is there any other government departments that you know of that have got, um, obviously the award stuff can be found Well, award
1: stuff, like fair, the Fair Work fair Commission's work, yep. got a lot. Fair if, work Commission. They've got excellent, uh, we're doing a bit of work with, probably heard about the AMA and the payroll tax stuff, um, Look, as the government websites are all very good. you just got to know where to find but them again, and again, it's general do. advice, remember yes, that. Yes, yeah. Except the yeah. award
0: stuff. Obviously, the award yeah. is, is the award and you've got to be across it. But let's say, look, there's certain things that as a business owner that you need to be, and, and cafe owners and, and restaurant owners listening and, and anyone in a management position, you know, because it's not just on the owners. If they're paying you as a manager, then you should be expected to have a certain level well, of knowledge. and, and, and
1: interesting, as you've just reminded me, like there's now often personal liability attached with certain employment uh? stuff. And that's right, If as Phil said, if you're just, say there's a sexual harassment, incident yeah. and you weren't being proactive, there might be some personal liability attached. Well, there, there. is in liquor
0: licensing. That's
1: right. Well, that's just, uh, that's a good example. Then mm. so same with the employment laws stuff yeah, and the workplace yeah, health and safety stuff. Yeah, and I say that stuff. because,
0: look, as a manager, if you want to be called yourself a manager, then at the very least there is some certain things that you should be across in terms of what the awards are and what the awards yes, are, yeah, and sexual yeah. harassment and occupational health and yeah. safety and yeah. and all this. Otherwise, yeah. why can you – because what I found lately, Rob, um, in, and when I say lately, in the last – you know, three years especially, is people want to be quick to call themselves managers, but they haven't done the work. You know, back in my day, I mean, I washed dishes for many years before I got to, you know, I started washing dishes for my brother at 14. (laughs) He didn't start to teach me how to cook until I was 17. (laughs) Whereas now if they're in a place six months, they want promotions. I mean, and I'm not saying that to bag people. I'm just saying, hey, we need to put our hands back on the pulse, put your fingers back on your pulse and slow down a little bit because people are quick to call themselves experts and they're quick to call themselves managers. I call them two minute noodles. Don't be a two minute noodle. There are responsibilities Obligations that you have as you climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, whether it's in a cafe, in a restaurant, in hospitality, in any industry, there's responsibilities that come with promotions. Be across those responsibilities.
1: They're always getting harder and more onerous. They just are. That's just yeah. the nature of the society we're yeah. in. And the, yeah. You know, that's what governments do. They pass legislation and make more laws because that's what they do. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Ignorance is not a defence, yeah. unfortunately, and yeah. one of the reasons again why Coffee Communes using its its position in the industry to to help advocate for change and all the rest of it. In summary. We talked about where they can get across certain things, which is great. What advice would you give to an aspiring cafe owner regarding the importance of understanding legal aspects? I mean, I know we've touched on it, but give us the summary, Rob. The importance of obviously being proactive and all the rest of it.
1: Probably very general advice, probably not just cafe owners, but everyone, don't sign anything until you've read it. And if it's really important, till you've spoken to your professional advisors. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. I love people signing stuff before they read it because I'm a litigator, but don't. It's just once you've signed it, you're stuck with it. So if particularly your business, probably the you know, up there with the most important thing you'll do in your life certainly can have most important ramifications if you get it right or wrong, talk to your professional advisors. Um, probably understand what your obligations are under the law once you start running a business, once you're up there. Have a plan in place, then talk to you know people Listen to podcasts like this, talk to people like Phil, talk to other people in the industry, so you get an idea, come to the sessions at the coffee commune. Yeah. You know, get involved in your in your other people in your industry and how it works and, you know, that sort of thing. And if a problem arises, don't stick your head in the sand. Don't react impulsively or instinctively, because often, unfortunately, in our society that might be wrong as a business you owner. Dig a bigger a hole. Boy, that's right. You just make it. You know, you send that email that the barrister on the other side is cross examining you on in the witness box that you sent at one yeah. o'clock in the morning yeah. that you shouldn't After a have few sent. Of wine. That's right. Yeah. I've, I've, There's another piece of it. Don't <laughs> don't. Make sure
0: you breathalyze yourself before you send anything to anybody, right? There's
1: what? another. Well, <laughs> on that, just don't. If it's really important and you're really angry, write it, but yeah, don't, don't send it. it. You know, put it in the drawer. You know, the yeah. old advice our yeah. Yeah. parents gave us, I'm sure, just put it in the drawer yeah. and then think about it tomorrow morning. Yeah, keep the emotion in the ego Because emails are just, yeah, litigators love them because yeah. they're beautiful. Well, it's, items, well, it's, but, well, it's yeah.
0: all yeah. evidence. I mean, everything's based on precedent and evidence. Um, it's there yeah. in black and white. It's
1: yeah. And, but, yeah, just and don't yeah, send and it. And
0: look, um, mate, Rob, it's been fantastic to have you and I appreciate you giving up your time and your knowledge because remember, you know, your professional services, this is your livelihood. You normally get paid for this sort of stuff. You haven't been paid for this podcast. It's your time. You're giving up. And if we work off the traditional six minutes increments, <laughs> I'd probably owe you a few thousand dollars, but, um, no, will be, um, you know, we appreciate you coming no, in and doing what you're doing. And, and one of the things that really resonated with me with what you said, and we wouldn't pick this if you, if I got you to guess it is when you said you couldn't afford you. No. In a litigation. And I want listeners to really just think about that. Rob's not the wealthiest man in the world, but he's not the poorest man in the world. And I think that really strung a chord with me and really brought it to life. You have here an amazing litigator who specializes in litigation, right? Who's a director of a mid-tier legal firm has just said these words, I couldn't afford me if I was in litigation. If that doesn't make you want to be or get off your bum to be proactive when it comes to the law and owning a business in general, then I don't know what will. So- Rob, thank you. You've been there, done that. Um, And we really appreciate uh, your time and everything else. Rob's always a frequent attendee to our events at the Coffee Commune. We know we'll have him back next year as well as one of our events because there's always new stuff happening in the space of law. Hill House are a great partner of the Coffee Commune and very proactive in what they do. uh, Rob and his team come along to different events and they're always talking to people and sharing their knowledge. So... uh, Listen to the podcast. All the details will be on the end. Our great producer, Gilberto, from the podcast boss, will always do an amazing job in summarizing. But if you need anything else, reach out. All the details will be there. Rob Lamb, Hill House Lawyers, his details will be there. Please don't put your head in the sand like Rob said. Be proactive. Ignorance is not a defense in law, and be proactive in everything that you do in the space. Until next time, uh, this has been Phil DeBella. Rob, thank you again. Thank you, Phil. You've been listening to Phil DeBella. Been there, done that. Until next time, go be the best you can be. That's a wrap for today. Keep listening for more episodes of Been There and Done That. The Coffee Commune is here to help accelerate your potential. We want you to be better tomorrow than today. Until next time, you've been listening to Phil DeBella. I'm the founder and managing director of The Coffee Commune, a place where the coffee community comes to collaborate.